And we had the best economy we've ever had. And then one day you have to close it down in order to defeat this enemy. When, when things, things go, wrong, go wrong, knowledge is his power. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Jennifer Thomas and Shauna Theriault. And um, we have uh, been answering a few questions that we've gotten today. We've got uh, a way that any of y'all, if you're listening, can uh, contact us on our question hotline. The number is 1-855-429-9166. You can also call and talk to a human calling 770-429-9166. Or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Or you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled in the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And uh, there's lots and lots of information that's downloaded. Uh, We have a question today from our question hotline from Phil and uh, I want to get right into that one. So here is the question from Phil. Hi, I'd like your comments on something that Ron Paul suggested several years ago when the national debt had risen and risen and risen. Of course, nowhere near what it's risen to today. But he proposed that the Treasury could do a selective default on the money that is owed by them to the Fed. Uh, nobody else would be defaulted. Only the Fed balances would be defaulted. I don't know enough about how the Fed works internally to discern what the impact or the surprise results of that might be. Can you think of any unintended consequences, or how would that affect things? If you could discuss that, I would appreciate it. Thanks for the question, Phil. And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. A few years ago, Ron Paul talked about... uh, what would happen or actually recommended the the Treasury defaulting on bonds that were owned by the Federal Reserve. And, uh, it, you know, if you think about it, the, the Federal Reserve um, owns bonds that were issued by the government. The way that that works is uh, they put cash into the system and uh, take the bond um, as they are paid the interest on those bonds they actually give that money back to the treasury uh so it does seem as if they wouldn't you know nobody would be damaged in that but if you think about what it is it's a tool that they also use so when they're holding the bonds uh when they try to unravel the the balance sheet what they'll do often is uh they'll they'll sell those bonds back into the public lately they've only been talking about allowing them to roll off and mature uh, they take the the proceeds and you know the the cash then comes out of the system. So uh, what it is is a way to um, manage inflation and the money supply, and allowing those to default then takes away that piece of the of the Fed's uh, ability to uh, do just that and manage the money supply. So um, you know if they sold them into the economy, then those dollars get get uh, taken out of the system if there were uh, inflationary pressure. So um, other than that, I can't think of a, of a reason why you wouldn't want to do that. Uh, the, the bigger problem to me is probably a legal one that I don't fully understand. I don't think you can selectively default only on bonds that one, uh, one particular holder owns uh, without 
making it a, a full-on default on the system. So um, that's that is uh, is the the best I've got for you. I know it was talked about a lot in 2011 when we were nearing the fiscal cliff. Uh, glad all that's behind us, but we still have one thing that's overhanging from that period, and that is the fact that the uh, U.S. debt got downgraded from AAA to AA uh, plus by uh, S&P, and it remains that way today. Strange thing is, though, even in a downgrade, when uh, there was fear in the market, uh, people bought more bonds, so the price went up and the yield went down. That's uh, very rare. Uh, you don't see that in the, in the corporate world for sure. Um, but again, thanks for the question. Uh, we've got another here that uh, comes to us from Dennis and Lisa that say uh, we've been tri uh, trimming our consumer discretionary uh, sector holdings since the beginning of the year, so we're not in the worst position. Dennis wants to overweight in pharmaceutical companies, uh, Pfizer, Sanofi, Gilead, Mylan. I think it's too much. Do we buy all four? Uh, it sounds to me like you're trying to buy um, the whole pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry um, in doing that, and I think it probably is a little uh, a way that I would help if I can to reduce some of your options is uh, uh, just from the four that you've mentioned we can uh, we can peruse through what we've got here if I can get my notes open uh, first of all Mylan doesn't meet our financial criteria uh, for investment the financial strength and safety doesn't meet uh, Gilead has done well during the whole COVID-19 um, period because of their drug remdesivir they were one of the few companies who had been already trying to so, uh, solve a coronavirus uh, related issue and i think remdesivir had been uh, used initially uh, to attack uh, ebola um, but it has shown some some promise so uh, you know the price of of gilead didn't fall like the market did we do recommend it for our clients holdings um, Pfizer and Sanofi are both um, looking for a vaccine. Sanofi is in the middle of an issue with their CEO uh, statement that the U.S. helped fund a vaccine and uh, the U.S. will get the first dibs at that vaccine if it is found. Uh, they are headquartered in France and the French government didn't take too, shine, too much of a shine to, uh, to that issue. So uh, you know, if you're if you're looking at uh, something that might be a little more beaten up, maybe Sanofi, especially at home. So you're going to buy it as an ADR in the U.S. Um, if you're just looking at Pfizer, um, Sanofi, and uh, Gilead, then as far as their fundamentals, uh, Pfizer's got a five-year earnings growth rate of 3.37%. It's expected to grow at about three and a quarter going forward. Uh, they're profitable, but the price is big compared to their growth. Uh, peg of 4.07 is uh, huge, in in my opinion. Um, so that was Pfizer. If you look at Sanofi, it's probably the most attractively priced. They've got a five-year earnings growth history of 2%. Uh, with an expectation of uh, growth at about six and a quarter, uh, you're paying 2.24 times for that growth uh, in a peg ratio, probably the most reasonably priced of all. Gilead, with all of its positive news in the last few months, is expensive. I'll just be straight up with you, but uh, it it uh, has done quite well. Now, 
part of Gilead's issue of uh, the last six months or year has been that they uh, cured um, they cured uh, uh, what was the hepatitis C. They they provided a market cure, and while everybody thinks it's a great and wonderful thing, it is an awesome thing for humanity, uh, but it's not so good for your profitability. When you cure your uh, your uh, disease, you actually get rid of a lot of potential clients, which, uh, like I said, for humanity is a great thing. Um, but their price right now, their peg is 16.25. We usually like a peg around one. Uh, it's generally unheard of. They've had growth uh, negative over the last five years, negative 13.73, but I just explained why. Uh, that's kind of what uh, what the market will do to you when you uh, when you cure things. So, you know, uh, for a scientist, it's a great and wonderful thing. For the company, you, you kill your profits. But uh, we still like Gilead. Uh, if you wanted to pick from any of these others, Pfizer or, or Sanofi would probably be really good picks. So uh, we hope you uh, get some benefit from that, Dennis and Lisa. Uh, we have another question that we'd like to cover, and uh, this one comes from Claudia and Arnie. They say, I feel like I saw something on charitable contributions for this year. We're not well off enough to be able to uh, direct our IRA withdrawals to charity, but we uh, do give when we are, uh, when we can, uh, with or without a tax deduction. Wasn't there something about uh, coronavirus-related charitable deductions? And since I'm not a financial planner, I'm gonna kick this one to Shauna and Jennifer. What do y'all got? Well, the CARES Act. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Shauna. No, the CARES Act did allow um, individuals to claim a $300 above-the-line deduction for cash contributions made. Um, usually, you know, if you make a cash contribution, if you don't have a lot of income because you're not well off, then, you know, you may not even be able to deduct it. Um, you know, you may not, you may, the standard deduction may, you know, be higher than what your deductions are, so you may not even get to claim it. But if you can claim a $300 above-the-line deduction, um, meaning it's before, you know, deductions. It takes you straight straight out of your income. But, um, you know, if you're if you're not well off, you may be in a lower tax bracket. Um, you know, so it, it may not help you either way. But if you did want to do something to charity because you wanted to do something, that is an option and possible deduction for you. Awesome. Thank you, Shauna. And uh, that is going to wrap it up for our show this week. What do you all say? I think the market's up this week. Jennifer. I Everybody up. You've been listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. 
There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.